Welcome back, 2024 Buzz. Even though we haven't even finished the primaries for the 2022 midterms, there is already buzz in the world of presidential politics about the possibilities of an early Republican primary starting as early as next month. And rumors are circulating that Democrats may want to replace President Biden as the head of the ticket in 2024. We'll look at some of the most recent headlines in 2024 news, we'll talk about who to watch, and I'll try to answer the question, who's running in 2024? We'll be taking a look at those stories and more today, June 24th, 2022. From Ishan Media, this is the Ishan S Show, a podcast about the interesting and ever-changing world of American politics, all from the perspective of the youth. With me, your host, Ishan. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me in this second to last episode of season two of the Ishan S Show. You know, I'd say we've done a lot this season. We've had on some great people. We've talked about some interesting topics. And season three is going to look even better. But I'm getting ahead of myself. We'll have plenty of time to talk about this stuff on Tuesday of next week, which is June 28th. So I really hope that you do join us that day to celebrate Season 2 and look into the future for Season 3. All right, let's get into our top stories. As the cost of gas and everything else shoots up across the country and we see a national $5 average per gallon for gas, Washington has been scrambling to figure out ways to relieve families of these rapid increases in costs. Now, yesterday, many outlets, including CNN, Politico, and Fox, reported that President Biden was interested in a three-month gas tax holiday, and he later asked Congress to implement one. Essentially, a gas tax holiday would lift the gas tax. What this would do is take care of a lot of the amount, a lot of money that you usually pay at the pump by eliminating that tax. And so it does help lower the costs. There are expectations that something like this might help reduce the costs of gas by as much as $1 per gallon, which is a lot when you think about it. Because in this climate where we're paying $6, $5, $4 for gas, taking even $1 off of that helps relieve families of at least some of the pain that you end up paying in total. That might be if you have a $20 or 20-gallon tank, you are basically taking $20 off the price tag. That might be very helpful for some families. But of course, like we discussed in the last episode, the president alone is incapable of controlling oil or gas prices. And furthermore, it's not going to relieve all families of expensive pains that they are going through right now. We'll continue to see where this goes. Last week, we here at Ishan Media reported that a bipartisan group of 20 U.S. senators led by Democrat Chris Murphy of Connecticut and Texas Republican John Cornyn had announced that they had reached a framework for a bill on gun reform following the tragic shootings in Uvalde and Buffalo. You can find out what's in the bill on the seanshow.com if you look up the seanshow.com gun reform on Google. Or you could browse in the blog um, when you hit the search tab. There you can find out some information about the bill. But essentially some of the things that are included are increased background checks for young people that buy guns, 
um, more restrictions for gun trafficking, an emphasis on trying to incentivize states to introduce red flag laws, among other things. Again, check out the article and um, there will be more information there. All right, let's get into our top story for today's episode. So here's the thing. I love 2024 discussion topics so much. And I mean, beyond the most politically nerdy things you could ever imagine, presidential politics is the most political thing you can think of. I have been watching presidential politics since I was like six years old. I still very well remember the um, Obama-Romney race in 2012. And as I've said previously on the show and others, the 2016 election is what really sprouted my interest in politics. And of course, the 2020 election is what gave this show a platform. Uh, now, the 2020 election, as we speak of it, was something. We had it in the middle of a COVID pandemic, economic turmoil, renewed discussions on race, and there was a huge effort in the end to overhaul the election on the grounds of voter fraud. And then it culminated in the January 6th riots back in 2021. So, okay, well, the 2020 election, you get first place for the weirdest election. But that doesn't mean future elections aren't going to be weird either. 2024 is already shaping up, and we're not even halfway through President Biden's term yet. There is so much discussion right now on all kinds of fronts about the future of American politics for 2024. There are some serious questions that are being asked right now about what things are going to look like then. There isn't any realistic way to put it all into a script for in a normal fashion, which sounds weird but makes total sense when I think about it as, I'm write, as I write these scripts. For the sake of making this a normal-sized episode, I'm not going to talk about potential presidential contenders, presidential candidates in this episode. But I really do want to make that list. So why don't you subscribe on the Political News blog to every new article on the ishanashow.com and I... I really want to make this list. So whenever my list comes out with top candidates and rising stars in each party you'll get an email as soon as it comes out and you can read about it. That'll come out pretty soon. At least I hope. <laughs> but all right, let's break this episode into two parts, Republican politics and Democrat politics. I think this split approach will help show the complexities and challenges of hopefuls from each individual party which might help give us a nice perspective on what we should watch for and expect from each side. And so for now, let's start with Republican politics because they're the ones who aren't in office right now. So since the last time we had an episode dedicated to Republican presidential politics, which was over a year ago, a lot has changed. I was just listening to that episode recently and I, remember, I heard myself and I was talking about people like Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump getting along, Mike Pence at the time being a pariah in the Republican Party. And I even kind of dismissed the possibility of anyone in the party challenging Trump for that GOP nomination. I wasn't wrong back then, in a way. I think we just weren't in the loop about a lot of things that were happening I mean, back then, it seemed a lot harder to beat President Biden, who had a 55% approval rating. So Republicans needed their best way 
to to take on President Biden. And realistically, it seemed like Donald Trump because Donald President Biden won because of the uh, because of the kind of environment that Donald Trump set up. Um, but Hillary Clinton also lost because of the type of environment Donald Trump set up. So there was this idea that maybe if we run Trump a third time, he can once again boot Biden out of office. But since that time last year, when Donald Trump was the only hope and chance that Republicans could think of, two things have happened, which I think have fundamentally shifted a 2024 Republican primary. First, it's not nearly as hard as it once was to beat President Biden in a matchup. And second, the January 6th hearings. Now, you might be wondering why the second thing is more important than other topics. And I'll explain it in just a second, and I think it might make sense. But first, let's understand why it's become easier to beat President Biden. Biden's not been having a very good time. Uh, It really went downhill for him after the Afghanistan withdrawal, and now we're seeing the inflation crisis, and sandwiched between that, we had Russia and Ukraine and gas and all of these other issues. And a lot's going on. So in other words, a lot is going on in the crisis department of the West Wing in the White House. And so with that, beating President Biden in a 2024 matchup might not be super hard when given a thought. These issues have really fired up the Republican base, and we're seeing them go in droves to vote for Republican candidates. Just a Last week, I think, in Texas's 34th district, a historically leaning, left-leaning liberal district, Myra Flores, a Republican, managed to win this district not by a narrow margin, by six points. And that was because of the fired-up base of Republicans in the district that went out to vote for her. That's an example of how motivated the conservative base is. And so because of this, a huge amount of voters are coming in and they are voting. And that also means that there's a lot more opinions and a lot more people in the party who are participating right now. People like Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, Mike Pence, who initially last year you might have said, yeah, they're not going to run for president. They're too afraid of Donald Trump. They are getting a lot more clout now because of how much easier it is to take, take on President Biden it's not necessarily Trump's exclusive realm anymore. And then that coupled with recent losses in some major primaries might go to show that Trump doesn't necessarily have the super grip he once did. There's also a lot of petty battles going on right now. Uh, Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, he has declined to seek President Trump's endorsement for his reelection campaign. That's a big deal because usually as We've established a Trump endorsement in the Republican primary is like a status symbol. And Ron DeSantis, who's a pretty Trumpy candidate, has so far just not shown any interest in asking Donald Trump for it. And maybe that's a personal ego where he thinks he doesn't need it. But it's also a message that he's sending that, look, I do not need your help right now. I can do this by myself. Stay out of it. That's that's kind of the mood. And and so. Beyond that, President Trump has tried to make it clear every time he gets asked about this, he tries to make it clear every time that he could easily beat Ron DeSantis in a battle, that he thinks that he can do that, which this is not a necessarily an internal fight. 
it's shaping up to look like one, but Ron DeSantis, other than Trump, is emerging as the most presidential Republican candidate um, that the GOP can really look at right now. So he is kind of a perceived threat to Donald Trump. And then there are people like Nikki Haley and Mike Pence who are directly taking Trump on at the polls where they are endorsing and supporting Republicans who are facing Trump-endorsed primary opponents. Just a recent example is when Nikki Haley endorsed Nancy Mace in South Carolina or when Mike Pence endorsed Brian Kemp, the governor of Georgia. Both of these candidates were had Trump-backed primary opponents, but both of these people won. And so this relax in President Biden's electoral prospects has in a way made it easier, significantly easier for other Republicans to feel confident about taking him on. And so that kind of expands the pool of potential candidates. And then the second thing is the January 6th hearings. Now, this one is more, this more specifically applies to Mike Pence and now a bunch of new Trump foes. The January 6th hearings haven't necessarily pulled upon the evidence that might get Donald Trump in trouble yet, but they have brought upon details and testimony and facts that might prove to be a little problematic for certain Republican Party officials like Mike Pence and, and this um, like Donald Trump. Now, people like Mike Pence and others who got on the president's bad side that day, these people are a lot more intertwined in this investigation of their resistance to Donald Trump and his chief claim of voter fraud. And as more information comes out, they are either going to, people like Mike Pence, they're either going to become more alienated from the Trump wing or it might enable more Republicans to reject Trump depending on how bad the January 6th committee's information might, how incriminating it might be for Trump. It's already being reported that Mike Pence in recent months has been working very hard to lay the groundwork for a presidential run in 2024, and he really wants to be president someday. This is a fact that goes back a long time. He's always wanted to really be president, and so now he's laying that groundwork after serving as vice president, and and he intends on running in 2024. That is at least a report, regardless of whether or not President Trump does, and mainly because he's been now cut out from that wing of the party, for hopefuls like Pence, this might be a good excuse of sorts to distance or even differentiate himself from Trump, but also be able to have a base on which to run. So it's an interesting dynamic that these two specific issues are setting up for the 2024 Republican primary. All right. That was a look at some of the Republican Party's presidential politics. When we come back from the break, we'll talk about Democratic Party presidential politics, President Biden's 2024 prospects, and some reporting on how the party might not necessarily want him running again. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this short, short break. Okay, we're back from our break now. So... It's really interesting how in just a matter of one year, we went from President Biden being one of the most formidable incumbent presidents in recent memory 
seeing his political prospects wither away just like that. It started in um, August with the Afghanistan fiasco, which saw his approval rating drop a lot, and it actually entered negative approval for the first time. And he hasn't gone back up since then. After the Afghanistan withdrawal, we started to see increases in the cost of gas. Then we saw the Russian invasion of Ukraine. And now that's been followed by a recent rise in inflation and economic uncertainty. Uh, that is, that's that stuff we reported last week. Are all of these issues President Biden's fault? No, they're not. But is President Biden the most accountable person in this country? He took an oath to be that person. So even if things aren't his fault, he'll get the blame. As President Truman said, quote, the buck stops here. So with all of these issues, what does that mean for President Biden's political prospects, i.e. a second term? Well, look, we first need to understand some of the expectations going in even before he was sworn in. A lot of people, as long back as I can remember, even before he announced his candidacy, did not expect Biden to run for a second term. You might be thinking, why on earth would someone count themselves out of such a great job? And the main thing was Biden's age. On election day, Biden was 77 years old, and two weeks later, he turned 78. By a hypothetical second term, he'd be taking the oath at 82 years old, and he'd leave the White House by 86 years old at the end of his term. Most people's great-grandparents can say they're that age. And look, I'm not trying to diminish the president's skill or acuity based on his age, but there was a serious expectation from Democratic Party members that he would only serve for one term and then maybe hand the reins to someone else. He described himself as, if I remember it right, he described himself as a transition candidate. What does that mean? Well, he, he the way he said it was he was going to be in office and then he would one day he, or not one day he would not run for second or not run for second term. That's that's what many people thought when he said transition candidate and he would give it to a new face of the Democratic Party. And so there was this expectation that President Biden would not run for reelection. The practical reason is that he's older and. We don't generally see very many people that age serve in office, let alone the presidency of the United States. But the political reasoning, which I look at more, is that due to his age and experiences, President Biden might actually struggle to represent the views of the ever-changing and expanding political climate of the Democratic Party. A lot of young people are now coming into this party, and it's the same thing with the Republican Party, honestly. Um, there are a lot more young people coming into these parties. And so there's a criticism from these groups of their leaders that they don't necessarily represent their views or their experiences as well because these people are significantly older than the new voting base. So there are some who say that he's too moderate. Republicans say, no, he's practically a socialist. So there's no consensus on what his political alignings are. And that's not due to his age. Age is being used as an excuse to boot him off. There was a recent New York Times article, which um, it came out 
a couple of weeks ago, and I read it as soon as it came out. It essentially detailed accounts from nearly 50 Democratic officials at all levels of government, federal, state, local, who were expressing frustration with the president who has not been able to deliver on some key promises yet and who also has seen some major failures in office. They're saying that he might not be the strongest person to run the Democratic Party's banner for 2024. They're also worried about President Biden's ability to take on President Trump a second time. It's what I, the way I explained it before the break about how Trump rocked things up in 2016, then Biden kind of set things back to normal in 2020, and then Trump might come in again to rock things up again. There was even a suggestion from a DNC, Democratic National Committee member, that President Biden perhaps should announce that he won't seek re-election immediately after the midterms and open the race to others. Now, here's how I see it. President Biden will be closer to the age of 90 than 70 years old. And the reason I say 70 years old is that was when President Ronald Reagan left office. And at that time, he was the oldest president in U.S. history when he left office at 70 years old. Now we're talking about President Biden leaving office closer to the age of 90 years old. There are some serious questions about the viability of his political platform. But from the perspective of the Democrats, they probably want to beat Donald Trump in 2024 should he be the nominee. And so this leaves a weird dilemma because Joe Biden is technically the only person in history (laughs) to ever beat Donald Trump. So it's a confusing question when you talk about President Biden's viability for a second term. Like, do we want to keep somebody who has 39% approval rating or do we also want to make sure because he's the only person that might beat the very likely next GOP, again, returning GOP nominee? It's a serious question that Democratic Party officials are tackling with right now. And then to add on to that, there's a lot of confusion about who would take over Biden's spot if Biden decides not to run. Again, there will be a list on the com about who I'm looking at and who you should look for. But again, who exactly would be a nominee replacement is really unclear. Many say to defer to Kamala Harris, the vice president, which is a very common sense choice. Pick the deputy. She's seen the job the closest. But Vice President Harris has had her own struggles in office, and She's nearly disapproved, nearly as disapproved as President Joe Biden. So then are there other people to look at? Well, at this time, it's unclear, but the Democratic Party, like the Republicans, have a lot more people other than Donald Trump, Kamala Harris, Joe Biden, Mike Pence. There's a lot of people across the country who are interested in running for president. So, again, stay tuned for that list on the SeanEsjo.com. But... Pick people are quick to point out that President Obama faced very similar criticism when he was at this point in office. He then faced a very horrific midterm, and then he then went on to sail the re-election. It's anyone's guess, but that's where Biden's chances, I think, are standing. As for his official view on this, he has told a lot of people, including President Obama, one of his closest friends, in private that he really wants to run for president again. 
And his press secretary, Corrine Jean-Pierre, recently said that the president does intend on running for re-election. Now, that was a look at what I'm watching for 2024. Stay tuned for those lists again on the blog. And then, um, yeah, that's, that's what we have for you today. Don't forget to join us this Tuesday for the season finale of the Shana Show Season 2. I'm looking forward to seeing you there. Thanks for joining us today. And so that does it for us here today at the Ishan S. Show. If you liked my commentary, then go ahead and follow at Ishan S. Show on Twitter and at the Ishan S. Show on Instagram for breaking news posts and updates about the show. If you want to learn more about political stories, then check out my political news blog on the Show.com and enter in your email to subscribe and just check out the Show.com and do us a favor and share this episode and all other Ishan S. Show content with your friends and family. It is the best way for this show to grow and get more people listening to it. And it helps out so much. Thanks again for all your support and I'll see you guys soon. Bye. Thank you.